Welcome back to the Get a Q podcast. My name is Brandon Hall. We're here at MassQ Live uh, with Jeff and Greg from Fortinet. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having us. Excited Thank you very much. Uh, so why do we need a firewall in our school systems? You know, really, it's about filtering, right? And, and I, I think of filtering security posture is really around uh, creating good digital citizenship. And, and I know that's, that may be a little bit of a stretch to, to make that parallel, but you know, how, how can we protect ourselves from all the bad actors out there uh, that, are, that are attacking our schools because K-12 is, uh, is viewed as low-hanging fruit, right? To, to those bad actors. So a firewall is uber important because we are able to protect those from the outside coming in. And from a teacher's perspective, uh, I think it's really important that we, we, we do make that parallel to a good digital citizen because you know, we're, we're creating and taking these kids, and I always, I always put it personal for, for my children who are 10 and eight in elementary school, is you know, we're, we're in a heavy filtered world, or they are in the school system, but when they come home, it's a little less, right, as to your point. Mm -hmm. um, and how do we create that good digital citizen? So we take our firewall, we take our security solutions because you know, Fortinet, we're, we're so much more than the firewall. Uh, we are you know, a, a leader here in cybersecurity and the security posture um, that you know, let's, let's cross those lines and create those good digital citizens and continue to help provide the security they need so we can, we can you know, continue to provide those learning environments. Yeah, I, and I think a lot of times staff wonder why, you know, why is this site blocked? Why is that thing not working? And they come to us and we look at the firewall and we make decisions on things. But that's, a, that's kind of a combined decision, whether you guys realize it or not, from our, from our side, right? Like that we are partners working together. No doubt. I, I, the partnership, and, you know, for, for Jeff and I, um, you know, K-12 education is near and dear. I've, this has been, you know, my... my Uncle's uh, a superintendent. My sister's a teacher, uh, and and you know how. So, you know what we do in, in tech and what Fortinet does. How can we partner with K twelve? How can we partner together to to again, you know, cross some of those lines and some of those issues that we have around you know lack of funding, lack of skill set, and I, I think that's you know for me being a Fortinet employee is is super. Uh, it's super near and dear to my heart because it's something that we take personally and some of the tools that we've built beyond our, our security solutions uh, really help us, you know, make that connection, go find that money, you know, create a learning environment or uh, a training, a security awareness training program to, to support these, you know, teachers, uh, faculty, your administration, your teammates from the IT side and, and ultimately you know, coming next month down to down to the student level. I, I think that's really, uh, really important. And to add to that, so we, we have several programs that are the right price for K-12, they're free. So the first one is the K-12 Cyber Awareness Training. It's a video self-paced training that can be done on any platform, on any, on any device. And it, it's, we made it available to all K-12 in the U.S. A little over 400,000 are doing it right now. And, and there is zero cost, and it's, and it's not a one and done, it's a multi-year that you're gonna be able to use it, and every employee in the school district can use it, and it's not just training, it's actually been written and produced to be in the K-12 environment, which is very unique. Mm -hmm. And it's already winning awards, and the price, you can't beat it, 
but the reason why is because you, you said people are coming to you, why do we need the firewall? Why are you blocking this? One of the things that's gonna be required of schools very quickly is to have a cyber awareness culture. It's in the K-12 cybersecurity law. It's being required by CISA, the White House. It's all coming down to the state and local educators. You're gonna to have to have a cyber aware culture. So rather than having to pay for that, get a fantastic program, we offer it for free. The other program that we do is the hardest thing in education, and I used to be an educator, is, is the number one of, issue of trying to get anything done is budget. If money weren't a problem, you'd find all kinds of solutions and we'd all sing Kumbaya and go happily on. But there's never enough budget. So we started a grants program. There is no quid pro quo, but what we have offered, we, we start with the technical people, but we want to know curriculum, we want to know science, STEMs, digital equity, all, all the priorities for your district. We'll meet with you, we'll get those listed out. We work with the grants office and, and in conjunction with us. They, we take all your information, seven business days later, they're producing a, a report specifically for your school and your interest. And then not only do we do that, it's not a one and done, the, the grants office will take over because we can't write the grant for you. We, we obviously have a conflict of interest and ethically we won't do it. So the grants office will hold their hand, hold your hand and go through with writing the grants, not just one, all the grants that you're wanting to go after. If you don't have grant writers, they have a very, very competitive price uh, to do it if you don't have anybody. And they have a 67% winning percentage, which is double anybody else. And out of the gate with Farley Dickinson University in New Jersey, the very first time we tried it, came away with 2.26 million. Wow. For the, for the university, not for us. Yeah, wow. They did buy our product, but that wasn't a requirement. Right. And by the way, we're not doing this just to be nice. We're a partner with education, but I'll be honest, if we exceed your expectations, provide you the best products and services, and then we help you find the money, why are you gonna go elsewhere? Yeah, right. So right. That's, that's really, you know, are, are we trying to help? Yes. Is there self-interest there? Yes. But we're never gonna require you to buy Fortinet. We're gonna go earn that. Mm -hmm. So really for all the schools, nobody has enough budget. The, the ESSER money is, the COVID money is, the, you're in the last round. By the way, there were uh, almost a quarter billion dollars that was clawed back in Massachusetts, and that was one of the smaller states. You, you spent yours pretty well. But one thing for educators to remember, allocated does not mean spent, and that's what caused millions of dollars to be clawed back in the last round. Make sure you spend that money, actually spend it, ob obligate it with contracts and POs before September 30th the next year, or that money's gonna be gone too. Uh, but we work with you, all your schools to understand that. And that's the kind of partnerships we wanna have with K-12. Yeah, and that grants process, looking at that, it, it, it's mutually beneficial in the sense that, I mean, if people buy your product, that's a great thing for you guys. But being able to offer the security training and say to people, here are the reasons why we need to do things the way that we do them. The, the education side of it is going to be a win. It's a win-win for, for everybody. Absolutely. And, and by the way, we're also launching next month a free K-12 cybersecurity training for students. And that's going to be teacher-led. We'll be training the teachers to have all the materials, handouts as well as online. It'll be done in class. It won't be self-paced video. Like the, like the employee training, 
it's been written and produced by educators and it, I saw the early version of it it's fantastic mm -hmm. it's going to be junior high and high school first and then go down we're going to have elementary as well all the way down to pre-k so in fact we already have a book for pre-k that's really cute that it's the basics of it that very easy to read but by the end of the year we're going to cover pre-k to, to k to all the way through k-12 mm. so that's coming as well again zero cost that's excellent um, really love what you guys do um, hearing about these uh, grant programs where can people find it online uh, if they were to search for it right directly on the fortinet website yeah, Fortinet.com. Uh, the other thing to call out there is uh, training.fortinet.com, um, you know, a social responsibility that we have as a company in, in, in creating, again, you know, that, that, that security posture and, and security skill set uh, would be something I would, I would recommend as well. Great. Um, so Greg and Jeff from Fortinet, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks. I am pleased to be joined right now by Tom Driscoll from EdTech Teacher. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Brandon. So Tom, former wizard, West Warwick High School alum like myself, this has been like the last one we, I talked to someone who was a Stonehill alum where I went to college. and then uh, So now this is like old home days, I suppose, here at, yeah. at Gillette. That's right. It's homecoming at Gillette Stadium. Yeah. So West Warwick, Rhode Island, we're wizards from yeah. Arctic Hill. So shout out to all the, all the Rhode Island folks in West Warwick. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy to think that such a little, tiny little town in the middle of the tiniest state, right? Yeah, uh, I, I do have to give them a shout out. They were the first town to go to Google Apps for Education. Really? All of Rhode Island. And really? Jim Monty, their tech director, which I actually had as a teacher long ago, uh, kind of led the charge in Rhode Island on moving to Google Apps for Education. Wow, so I had wow. They did a great job with that. Yeah, I, I remember hearing that they had gone to Chromebooks like pretty early on yep. for, for students and thinking like, wow, I can't believe this is so cool that, you know, uh, and my parents still live in town. Uh, so it was interesting to hear, like, it's good to know that the school is still kicking butt there. Yep. Um, so your work at EdTech Teacher here, um, you've been with EdTech Teacher since you were a social studies teacher. That's right, yeah. So I was a social studies teacher for uh, about eight years in two different public school districts in Connecticut. And when I started to really explore instructional technology, the local group that I turned to was EdTech Teacher because mm -hmm. they had a lot of amazing presenters. Uh, Dr. Beth Holland was there, Tom DeCore, Justin Reich, and... I just picked their brain as much as possible. Um, and that was kind of like the early stages of one-to-one -one in Chromebooks. And I just loved the work they did. And then I started to do some consulting myself, moved into the ed tech space. And, uh, and here I am about 10 years later, and I'm the CEO of the company. So it's been yeah. <laughs> quite, a, quite a ride. That's awesome. The, uh, what was your, as a social studies teacher, what was your favorite ed tech tool? It's actually one I still use today, and it was Newzella. Okay. I, 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 ran across it actually it was the Rhode Island Technology Conference I think it might have been the blended learning conference and Newzella was there pitching their new idea and I was like wow I could take an article and Lexile it five yeah. different ways automatically yeah. and I was like that is amazing like as far as a way to include kids mm -hmm. um, so that was my first real like aha moment like this is a ed tech can really help open up educational opportunities for everybody level the playing field and that was the most visceral example that I had early on in my career yeah uh, for me it was uh, it was iCivics and, and those simulations, being able to you know do the the, the federal budget simulations and the right. you know um, the, the the court cases and who was going to represent who in the, the simulations, those were great. My kids always always loved those. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like they just released uh, an elementary level as well. That organization, I can't say enough good things about yeah. them. Like iCivic was started actually by former Supreme Court Justice, um, and I, I think that 
their approach to civics through engagement through gamification mm -hmm. has been amazing and i actually find it's actually kind of hard yeah <laughs> like the do yeah, i yeah. have a right game you actually have to run a constitutional law firm yeah like you have to know your stuff yeah, so you really like do. it is really good work and they do a lot of good work here in massachusetts so yeah. actually i civics is i'm working with uh, Everett public schools right now on some of their civics uh, action civics projects and iCivics I has a great program to help walk kids through action civics and um, really impressed by the work they've done. Yeah, and with the state now having that, that requirement as part of graduation, the civics requirement and then the civic, civic action project, they've mm -hmm. got some really cool stuff. Um, so your work at EdTech Teacher, you get involved with EdTech Teacher, um, you start going to conferences like I did. I saw them, I remember going to see you in Boston yeah. uh, and saw you at the spring conference here in MassQ. And, um, how did you end up with, with EdTech Teacher? Yeah, so I, I actually, after teaching, I moved to the Bristol-Warren Regional School District in Rhode Island, and there was a digital learning director, and it was a new position. It was kind of a in-between the, the tech department and the curriculum department. Uh, Massachusetts, you guys have a lot of those positions. Rhode Island was relatively rare at the time, uh, but I was able to help lead their one-to-one -one initiative, um, help get us through the pandemic and virtual learning. And at the time, I was doing some work with EdTech Teacher, uh, and then I believe it was the summer of 2021-22, that, that school year, uh, I transitioned over to full-time as an instructor, and then Tom DeCord, who's the founder of the company, uh, decided he wanted to retire. And we basically did a, a transition, a little bit of a handoff, and uh, it's been amazing. He's been super supportive, and I've just loved the community of educators that have been part of the EdTech teacher world because I just learn from people every single day. There's yeah. so many people yeah. that uh, the instructors before me have worked with, and I just love the idea of, I mentioned this in my keynote, that you gotta find your tribe. <laughs> You know, and mm -hmm. there's a nice tribe <laughs> involved in this work. It's right. locally, nationally, and I just love reaching out and, and learning with other teachers. Yeah, and, and you guys are all over the place too. We, you know, I have friends that are across the country that are doing ed tech stuff, and 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 they say, oh yeah, we've worked with ed tech teacher before. Um, it, it's really great to see the spread uh, of the group. Yeah, and that, and it's important to get diverse voices. You know, so I, one of the things that I. I really focused on when when I took over a couple years ago was how do we get educators involved uh, even as, as instructors that represent diverse groups that de represent different regions so now we have folks from California from Texas from Illinois and um, and having more contributors is only gonna help mm. it just kind of rounds out the experience particularly from the student experience um, and one thing that I, I get a chance to do this year which is fascinating is I actually get to work with a whole team of students for the first time. So actually I'm working with a student cohort at a district and we're redesigning the student experience with technology and the students are leading the work. That's excellent. So that's a lot of fun too, is like getting to work directly with kids again, which yeah, is uh, yeah. certainly a passion of mine. Yeah, that's great. And you were able to give your keynote in the new space behind us that you can't see on radio, but yeah. <laughs> the, the new space under the lighthouse, there's this grand sort of I don't even know what you call foyer. <laughs> I think, yeah, they call it some type of atrium. Atrium, maybe? okay, we'll go with atrium oh, yeah. networks. Uh, yeah. But yes, yeah, so for those who haven't seen it, it's a brand new location at Gillette. They just just built it, just mm -hmm. finished a couple months ago, I right. think, even. Yeah. Um, and it is amazing. Uh, so the team's not doing so well, but man, what a beautiful stadium. <laughs> so. We'll focus on the building. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the space behind us that you were able yeah. to speak in, it's this brand new open space uh, um, that you're able to give your keynote in. And there, I mean, there's a ton of space in there. And that's where the elevator is for the new lighthouse that people want to... They ring a bell, I guess, because it's a lighthouse. I, not something I knew about, but okay, we'll go with it. But um, what, your keynote, if you could talk a little bit about, about your message from your keynote. Sure. So, so my message was around leveraging AI tools for creativity. And we hear a ton of talk about AI for, for a good reason. It is a transformative technology that we probably haven't seen since Web 2.0 mm -hmm. first came out. 
And that's pretty universally accepted at a place like MassCube. But what I haven't seen a lot of is that connection between student creation, student creativity with AI. A lot of it's still, it reminds me of the early days of the EdTech tools where it was really just about instruction. It was about teaching, about presentations, about efficiency of, of teaching and learning, which is fine, it's all valuable. But what I was trying to push is, all right, AI can do more than just help you write a lesson plan quickly. Right. So if we think about it different ways and we use AI as a tool for the creative process, uh, for generative uh, ideas, for divergent thinking, and then also for, for student multimedia and projects to show what they know, that opens up a whole new world of use cases. Mm -hmm. And at EdTech Teacher, something that I loved about, about it when I was a teacher just learning about them is they were so focused on the idea of empowering students, focused on student creation creativity, and I think that we should be thinking about the AI the same way. Like, it, it's not just a teacher tool, it's not just an efficiency tool, uh, it's also a tool to help spark student learning and student creativity. Yeah, and I've seen some of your work in that field where the, the continuum of, you know, mm -hmm. the AI created it versus the student created it and all of the information in between, and we're using that in our district right now oh, uh, to, to have discussions with faculty about, you know, at what point is the AI doing the work, at what point is the student doing the work, and, and how do we blend that and get the tool to help the students, help the teachers, uh, at our secondary level. Right, and, and I, I think if you're involved in any creative process, a lot of it can be intimidating at the beginning. Right, think about that blank white page. Mm -hmm. But if you can use AI tools as a way to spark that generative process, and I gave an example today where if you put in a prompt just to generate multiple pathways to a solution, right, or multiple ideas, use that as your starting point and then you can iterate and build upon those ideas. And part of creativity and innovation is taking ideas from different domains and doing something new with it. Mm -hmm. Create some new knowledge, some new novel solutions. So this helps speed up the process of coming up with those different alternatives. So it's not doing the work for you. And, and there was one term that I came across in the research on this to prepare for the session and, and they actually call it um, uh, synthetic intelligence or synthetic creativity. So the AI is like a synthetic creativity where you'll get some you know, creative thought coming out of it, but really that human touch mm -hmm. is what's going to be needed to help make use of it to create novel new ideas. Because otherwise it's really just spitting out things that were, I wouldn't say programmed in because that's not exactly how AI works, but it's going to be limited in the options, but it's going to give you enough to start the creative process. Right. And I think that's what's going to be important is how can teachers leverage these tools to start the creative thinking, not to replace the creative thinking. Yeah, um, and just to kind of tie things up, your favorite part of MassQ, you've, yeah. you've been here multiple times. Um, what's been your, what's always your favorite part? What's the thing you need to make sure that you do every year? Every year, um, it's those conversations in between. Yep. You know, and there's great sessions, there's great food, <laughs> there's great yeah. events, there's yeah. great vendors, but I think it's the people you meet, mm. uh, the, the follow-ups after to learn with them, to ask questions, to push your own thinking. And for everyone that's coming here too, I, I, I always encourage people to put their guard down. Mm -hmm. Like, like you know, just assume that you're, you're not always gonna be on target with the way you're thinking about things. Like, ask other people to challenge your thinking. And that's something that I even did today. It's like, after the session, it was like, 
you know, where could you poke holes in this? What are some of the challenges teachers might face? Um, and, and being it more of an open dialogue mm -hmm. as opposed to just, all right, this person's right, I'm gonna do what they say. Like, no, that's not how it should work. It's a collaborative experience, and I think that anytime you can go to a conference like MassQ, the more conversations you have with other educators and leaders, um, that's the, the real value here. Yeah, all right. Tom, thank you so much for coming on. Tom Driscoll from EdTech Teacher, uh, and we'll be back. Welcome back to MassQ Live. This is Brandon Hall. I'm joined today by Karen Winsper and Colleen Terrell, uh, both of the Influ Influence and Advocacy Committee. I always stumble over that one. I apologize. Uh, welcome back, Five Timers Club members. Five Timer. Whoop, whoop. We got stickers. <laughs> we got badges. We're, we're good now. So we, uh, everybody that's done the podcast is represented here at the conference. Uh, so talk a little bit about what influ Influence and Advocacy does. We're going to go INA yeah, from now on. I'm just going to call INA. 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 So <laughs> What it's so we're going to go INA. So what is it that INA does and tries to accomplish for MassQ? Really, um, INA, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, I lost my voice greeting people this morning. Um, so INA really is designed to uh, educate um, mass educators about uh, policy and policymakers, and we connect with legislators and policymakers uh, to talk about what's going on. Um, and how that influences educational technology. Um, we've had local and state uh, legislators and uh, folks that join us in different months. Uh, we recently even had um, Jisoo Song, who was a digital equity advisor from the U.S. Office of Educational Technology. So we try to you know, connect to as many people as we can while we're educating people about um, the work that needs to be done. So this is only my first year as co-chair of Influence and Advocacy with Colleen, who has uh, a veteran, MassQ veteran here. Um, we have had the, the great fortune of representing MassQ um, for several years, participating in EdTech advocacy um, down in Washington, D.C., meeting with legislators, meeting with the FCC, talking about um, different educational technology issues, concerns, whether it be connectivity, um, cost of mm -hmm. broadband, DDoS, you know, cyber attacks. So we're really trying to focus collectively on all things that impact uh, teaching and learning with technology. Yeah, and, and the work of INA, I think one of my favorite events that I ever went to was at the State House uh, in the, the, flag, the Hall of Flags where they had all the student work that had been going on and they invited all the local legislators down to, to check out the work that was happening in there just to kind of show off what educators and students are doing in Massachusetts. Yeah, that was a fun event, and it was nice because um, some of the representatives, I have a cousin that's a state rep, he's like, I had no idea this mm. is what went on in schools. They've been out of school for a long time. They don't know what it looks right. like. It's entirely different. So it is a cool opportunity to get to do that. I think that was back in 2019. Yeah, that was pre-COVID, right? Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. So hopefully at some point we'll get to do something like that again. Yeah, and your trip to D.C., you met with several uh, national legislators, to, and, and there is there are this movement in the works right now at the federal level. There is. Right now they're talking about adding cybersecurity to E-Rate. We had an opportunity two years ago to meet with um, the FCC. Uh, we've uh, This year we heard from the FCC, but we also talked to um, our, our, one of our favorites, Christina Ishmael from mm -hmm. uh, Office of EdTech, and we talked to you know about AI, digital equity. We've talked about cybersecurity, as Karen mentioned. So it's it's been pretty cool. It's a, a really awesome event. Yeah. Yeah. 
And Christina Ishmael, friend of the podcast. Yeah, we love her. <laughs> she was great. She was great. And it was interesting to talk to her. She has her. great shoes. Yeah, yeah. It was great to talk to her about like about the work that she's doing and to know that there is someone at the national level that's covering ed tech is really important at, at the U.S. Department of Education. Um, and I'm interested in your meeting with Jisoo Song uh, down in D.C. To, to talk a bit about um, the work that he's doing. Oh, I can start. Um, well, actually, he joined us uh, at a recent um, INA committee meeting. I know that we also did meet him in D.C., but what was really special um, about this meeting was he's really trying to get the word out about what the Office of EdTech is kind of promoting, um, is specifically uh, Online for All. And it's an initiative that they're really focusing um, to try to bring not just in education, but for all the community and make sure that we can get people connected, you know, through broadband initiatives. Um, there's the affordable connectivity program, which we're really trying to push, you know, local districts to connect uh, families with getting uh, that discounted internet. Um, one of the things, it, you know, during the pandemic, there was a lot of funding, you know, the emergency connectivity funds, which allowed districts to, um, you know, fund hotspots or internet sponsorships. But the government, what they're trying to do now is really push uh, districts to take advantage directly through our families, directly through their internet providers, right? So schools, we can kind of be that you know, connector, mm -hmm. right? Like really try to share the information and get families to take that initiative. I think the problem is it's not an easy right. to apply for process. Um, you know, we're really trying to, through this online for all, help families however we can. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and so that's, they were having like a back to school connectivity challenge. Um, you know, so that was one of the things that he talked to us about. Uh, he also was talking to us about this Digital Equity Act. I don't know if you want to speak to that, Colleen, if you want me to. I can, I can do that. One of the things that I just want to mention is that the Affordable Connectivity Program is designed to only cost $30 a month. So instead of a hotspot, which is only going to give like one person or two people connectivity, generally one, mm -hmm. um, this will give internet for the whole family and the household. So that's the big difference about this. And I think that's important. Um, and it's like any provider. So it's, it's really helpful. And they're trying to really push this to get every single um, household connected. And part of that, um, they wanted to make a, or part of the conversation that we had with Jisoo was to talk about the grant that is coming out to make us aware that there's going to be a state digital equity um, grant. Uh, and I'll give you a little information. Um, it should be coming out soon. And you can find out a lot of information about it on their website, which is tech.ed.gov um, slash advancing digital equity. Um, but they have the grants on there too. So you want to keep eyes open for that actual grant to come out and it's going to give opportunity for some monies to make sure that even your school is connected for all of your households. And I remember one of the original major hurdles there was, you know, if a family had a past due balance, um, uh, you know, like say that, that they, they had a past due balance with an internet service provider, they weren't able to connect, you know, lose a job, both parents lose a job, um, you know, and then, and then you have to give up your internet, uh, but you couldn't get the affordable connectivity if, unless you paid the past due balance. Has that changed? Yeah, that's been removed completely from the whole uh, thing so that that doesn't 
prevent or become a barrier for internet. And these days, how the heck would you find a job? Right. If you don't have internet, right. you can't look for it. It's not like you can get it in the paper anymore. So it's that's kind of part of the thinking that that would not prevent it. And, and that's one of the things that we want to remind people. Like the internet is no longer a luxury, mm -hmm. right? Um, we really need to, to think of it as a basic need. It's a utility, yeah. It really is a utility um, and, and a basic need for people to be successful in life, you mm -hmm. know, in our communities. Um, so, you know, availability, is there, you know, sufficient infrastructure, um, you know, so people have access to that high-speed internet? And is it affordable? And I think that's what this, you know, the Affordable Connectivity Program, mm -hmm. uh, the $30 is, you know, for anyone who might qualify under free or reduced lunch, mm -hmm. or if they have, um, you know, received maybe Mass Health or, or something, but if they're on tribal lands, it's actually a seventy-five dollar. Um, so that is, you know, an increase. Um, but we're really looking at, you know, we talk about digital equity and and perhaps you know might be equitable experience for students, or it might be um, equitable opportunities. But we just are looking at you know kind of promoting this so that people will have that connectivity mm. so that they can fully participate in right. society right I mean I know the three of us have talked a long time about students you know we give a, a device to a student and then they get work done in school and then have they go home if they don't have connectivity at home how are they able to complete the work that they've done and we talked so much during the pandemic about you know families in, sitting in cars outside of places that had public free public Wi-Fi outside of a Starbucks outside of a McDonald's or wherever, and just sitting in the car for hours at a time to do work, and how wrong that is. Um, you know, the, you know, some someone's kids are sitting on their couch and they've you know able to do it in the warm living room, and meanwhile you've got this family freezing in a car trying to connect to the internet to do the same school assignment. How do we, how do we make that equitable for the the kids? Then those two same kids are being graded by the same teacher. It's such an important thing to mention, Brandon, because it, it is, that's, that's it. That, that's where it's, we're missing the boat on equity for, for digital uh, connectivity. So that's why this, the grant is there. That's why the Affordable Connectivity Act is there. And, the, and like we talked about the grant that's coming out, it's gonna provide all of that for, for the family. So we never have to run back into that again. Yeah. But the goal though is getting the education out there. People don't know. So our job really in influence and advocacy advocacy in schools as tech directors we really need to push that connectivity and, and notify and, and educate all of the educators to, uh, to then share that with families yeah great um, anything else you'd like to add about INA or or work that you've got coming up we always love anyone who is interested in um, you know maybe exploring advocacy, you know, on behalf of uh, our students in the Commonwealth. You know, we're always interested in having more people join us. Um, feel free to reach out to myself, kwinsper at norton.k12.ma.us or Colleen Terrell, and you can reach me either at uh, MassQ, cterrell at M-A-S-S-C-U-E dot org or at my district, Mendon Upton, which is cterrell at M-U-R-S-D dot org. Uh, so we can answer any questions. We're a small and mighty group, but we, uh, we really like to have anybody else that be interested in joining. Yeah, and I'll put those links and emails in the bio, so, uh, in, the, in the show description, so people will find them there. 
Awesome. I think that would be great. We All look right. forward to hearing um, from people across the state. And thanks, as always, Brandon. Thanks. We always love chatting with you. And thanks for inviting us back for, at least for me, for number five. Number five. You get the sticker. Ooh, I think I have six okay, or we're seven. Getting, we're get i got to change sticker. my number. <laughs> <laughs> Forget what you told me. Yeah. And we will be back. Live here at the MassQ Fall Conference, I'm joined by Dartmouth Public Schools Technology Director, Jonathan Galishaw. Jonathan, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. It's so good to be back. And that is a snow call voice. That's I, right. It, I use this voice for all calls when I call off school. It's become legendary in Dartmouth. So this is how I go. I go up two, two degrees lower in my octave and say, this is a message from the Dartmouth Public Schools. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, so you've got like David Allen Boucher would put people to bed and you'd wake them up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just freak them out. The superintendent had me get up at four o'clock in the morning and, and call off school. Say, I'm, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to mess with everyone and, and go with the deepest, darkest voice I can find. And um, on Facebook, it lit up with people thought it was a computer, thought it was Darth Vader. Some said God. Oh. Some said Elvis. But I just get a kick out of it. I say, why not? Go for it. Go for it. Have fun. Yeah. Isn't that what technology is? It really should be. Having fun. Yeah. And we are having fun at the conference here. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, as we as we always do, it's yeah. it's always good to see people that in our in our tech director jobs and our day jobs, it becomes such a you're in that silo, right? Yeah. You're working alone in a school district by you know you have it's you and your team, and sometimes yeah. you have to do things that are separate from the team because of your position and. I think you come here to rekindle your love for technology because the business of technology is daunting. You know, hackers and crises and mm. ransomware and networks and stuff like this. And you come back here and see the, the magic and, and why you got into the business because it's so exciting. The kids, the, the, the talk, the table talks, um, some and even the sessions of how they use technology in the classroom is so different from the, the grind of the business of technology. Yeah. So it's, it's always refreshing to go to... Uh, the Maskew conference to see that. Yeah, and it's nice. It's nice to think back about why you got an education in the first place, that's right? right? That's to work right. with teachers, to work with students, to work with families. Yeah. So it's it's something that's uh, you know it it, it it rekindles that that love for technology and education that you had so many years ago and have to rekindle every year because <laughs> you know the, I got to do e-rate. I got to do something else. The business of technology yeah, yeah. is daunting. So yeah. That's great. Yeah. So. Uh, you and I have talked about this com before. Um, we've had conversations about it at, at skit meetings, at MassQ, at um, personally, uh, you know, in small groups. Uh, but the conversation of so you wanted to be a tech director, right, or right. so you want to be a tech director, and you've yeah. got six thousand people here or so over the right. course of two days that uh, are interested in technology, are interested in education, and thinking about leadership. And you see the graduate schools that are here that have booths that are you know, saying, hey, uh, you, know, you can enter our graduate program and get an educational technology license or, or something of the like. How did you end up as a technology director? I was just trying to uh, get warm one night. I was passing by a school district and mm -hmm. I just went in and see what was going on. Yeah. I stayed, no. Just they had the, light, the lights were on. The lights were so. on, so I stopped there. Yeah. No, it's funny, when I, when I started this quest back in 1994, um, I was uh, doing a lot of uh, individual work training people and um, when Socket Rhode Island was one of the first that was looking for a technology director because I was trying to sell the position to uh, from 92 to 95 um, about 
being a technology director. And most people said, oh yeah, our science teacher does that. Mm. So there was no position for that. So um, th I started there at Woonsocket and uh, just it built. I remember the first day I, I was calling Mac Warehouse for a catalog. That's how lonely I was. <laughs> it's before I received 300 catalogs in them a day. But um, as, a, it, as it grew, it was just introducing and selling technology mm -hmm. to classrooms because most teachers were like, yeah, no, I don't want a computer in this classroom. So it was selling it. And it's so neat how it's come so far um, in 30 years um, where, you know, it's... It, people are hungry for it. People are always wanting to push the edge of the envelope and do that. But back in the day, it was a big sell. And it did a lot of that, the business of technology, building networks and such. And at the time, it was, you know, you've got uh, intercom system, and that's the technology for the school district, mm -hmm. or the telephones. Yeah. You're, in, you're the telephone guy. Yeah. A few uh, Apple IIe's out there. Yeah, right, an elevator, yeah. right? It's got a button on it. It's got to be yours. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, yeah, right. It beeps and it buzzes and it's plugged in, so it's got to be text. Yeah. Uh, so, the the growth that you've seen in a short amount of time in yeah. classrooms, right? Teacher doesn't want a computer in the classroom. All of a sudden, we've got twenty five kids with oh, Chromebooks. It's, it's amazing, it, you know. And that was the thing. It, it was to the point where you fought you to sell this to get people. And I used to offer training, and people no one would come. And then it started to grow in the late nineties and in the early two thousands. And, um, and it's come to this. I mean, even Masque was out in Sturbridge back in the day. Um, and as I said in my, my conference, it might as well have been Sturbridge Village from what we were <laughs> using back then. But it, um, just to be, and we're, we're busting out of Gillette. I mean, it was so great to see the traffic coming in. I know that sounds awkward, but it was like, wow. Yeah. We filled the parking lot. Yeah. So yeah. we, we got to find a bigger venue. Um, but it's just, uh, you know, just even, even Masque was more voluntary people and stuff like that and it, those they're still here now but they've got staff they've got people they've got you know it's a it's a corporate conglomerate it's wonderful so um but watching it i think in retrospect i i would probably encourage the instructional people to stay stay hungry stay in the business mm -hmm. as long as you can because the business of technology but it's really as i was saying in my conference there my session um the the, the current and the future of technology is instructional technology. I mean, it's here, it's now, it's right. in the future. The enterprise version, the, the, the tech version of it is getting easier. It's just, it's either broken or it's not. And companies are here that can support that. But the real magic comes with the instructional technology, learning it, integration, the whole thing. So that's the, that's the future and that's the now of technology. Right. So stay in that business as long as you can and then uh, I understand sometimes taking the reins and taking control of the whole picture is is something that people want to do. And I wait for people to, uh, you know, wait to do that. But when the time's right, definitely do it. We need you. Especially when you've come from that perspective of the classroom mm -hmm. and understanding what the limitations, what the expectations are for teachers in the classroom. Um, remember the days of, of technology that didn't work. I know technology sometimes doesn't work now. But back in the day, it was really hit or miss. And it was so... And I could feel that from teachers, and you have to be a part of that, where you've got 25 students staring at you, and you're, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. And you're like, and back in the day when networks were less reliable, smart boards were less reliable, just the whole thing, everything was re less reliable, that it was, must have been extremely unnerving for a teacher to be up in front of 25 kids saying, what? What's going to happen now? <laughs> and, you know, the kids' expectations are so high. Yep. They, they demand, yep. you know, Wi-Fi, good Wi-Fi everywhere, all the time, so...
It's good. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think about, gosh, when I started, we had one computer in my classroom. Right, and it was the it expectation was. is you, you know, you take attendance and email your attendance down. Yeah. And we, oh, we have email. This is yeah. great. Yes, it was crazy. Yeah, what is this thing at sign? What, what? I don't understand it. Yeah, it was just like, um, yeah, just to do that. And and Google being at the at the ground level of that really changed the game. Making uh, you know, they understood education. They made it free, mm -hmm. and they hold the whole system. And they've grown to it too. Right. Um, you know, uh, it was something we were probably a Microsoft or a, uh, an Apple district at the time um, and then Google came along and just blew everything up and made right. it so like this is the this, great disruptor yeah, you you know what we're thinking we need tools we need you know and it has to be cheap it has to be free and it's grown so much yeah so yeah, I, I mean we both were we're both graduates of Stonehill College Stonehill uh, College. It, yes. we, I could talk Stonehill in this podcast yeah. for days uh, previous guests have been alums of course uh, but you know our ed, you know the ed prep program there. The, yeah. I remember there was a brief moment where we talked about technology, and it was a, a document camera. Yeah, you know, it, into, a, plugged into a projector. Yeah, we had. Um, it's funny when I was there back in the early '80s, um, there wasn't much. There were computer labs mm -hmm. to do things. Um, there was still handwritten assignments you could do, believe it or not. Um, but uh, they were they had just done a computer center. Um, forget the name of the computer. Stanger, which has since been torn down. Oh, it has. Uh, well, well, who was the teacher, the professor that was at the computer lab in the middle of the quad? Yeah. Oh, it, it was, was Stanger Hall was the oh, name I, of the building. I it was a, uh, a gentleman that was a, see, I've been out so long I've forgotten, but. Stanger doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't exist They've torn anymore. down the wow. building and built another one. the new one? one? Yes. <laughs> Maybe that's why tuition gets so high, because they do things <laughs> like this. No, just kidding. But, but um, yeah, no, that's great. I mean, Stonehill is, it's. Stonehill was a very small college when we were there. It was yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I mean, my wife we, from Stonehill, my best friends from Stonehill, we stayed close. It right. was one of those smaller schools that you really kind of bonded. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it still had that feel. It did. You, you that, yep. But I've always been close to the people that graduated. We've stayed in touch for 40-plus years. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I can imagine. See, what I was part of, uh, it's funny, you, our speaker, our keynote was from Stonehill this morning. Mm -hmm. um, and how we've come to that, I remember... Um, being part of the group that helped Bart Bartley McFadden, who was the president at the time, mm -hmm. find a speaker. And we found um, uh, Bob Keeshan was the, the speaker for graduation. For those of you who don't know who Bob Keeshan is, he's Captain Kangaroo. Oh, and wow. Cap Captain Kangaroo was my hero because he taught me. And I, I went to go see him at the, at the reception afterwards and told him that he was the reason I was there because he taught me how to tie my shoes because I was a television generation, you know, yeah. watching television. Yeah. So he was my hero. So I was so happy. I gave him wow. a ping pong ball on behalf of the class of 86 because <laughs> that's what used to fall with when he had moose in this little skit. It's a long story. Wow. Look it up on YouTube. You could find it on you, YouTube, right? Yeah, you'll find it on YouTube, maybe, <laughs> if it's still out there. But, but Yeah, uh, I mean, they're doing ed tech prep now. Right. Oh, so they've, you know, they've got classes where students are learning ed tech. Nice. And it's not yeah. even, you know, I tell a lot of people, I tell my own kids, I said, when I went to college, this job didn't exist. Oh, of course not. You yeah. know, yeah. Uh, instructional amazing. technology. Instructional support, technology. Right? Yeah, uh, it was so hard to, I got a master's degree from Bridgewater, and I had to build it because mm -hmm. it didn't exist. It, right. did, it, didn't right. start, it didn't exist in its current state. So right. uh, I had to combine a few colleges and stuff like yeah. that to, yeah. to, to make it happen and wrote a thesis on, on the... Um, the state of te uh, technology in Southeast Massachusetts. And it's so funny, if I go back and read it, it, it was like 
floppy disks. It was exciting. You yeah. Know, imagine getting 1.2 megabytes out of a out of a incredible of a format. I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> How many word I, files I can you save on exactly. that? Exactly. I couldn't put one picture on that disk now. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. That and you think of it's amazing. And and what's so exciting is the the people that are here, the young people that are here doing this now. When you're my age, can you imagine where technology education will be? Right. I mean, we, it's jumped this far in 20 years. It's going to jump even bigger, faster, longer in the next 20. Yeah. So it's holodeck, like, Star oh Trek God, type of crazy, stuff, right? Crazy. Yeah. So it's so exciting because they're going to see that and uh, be part of that and find a way to usher in AI and yeah. other tools that right. are out there that are on the brink right. of changing education forever. Right. Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure. Always great to talk. Uh, We'll catch up again sometime. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Welcome back to MassQ Live. My name is Brandon Hall. I am pleased to be joined by MassQ board member uh, TJ Karen. And TJ is also the director of technology at the Southern Worcester County Regional Vocational School District. TJ, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Brandon. It's a pleasure to finally be here. I feel like this has been a long time coming. A very long time coming. I had one of your staff members on uh, earlier, Tom Williams. Yep, Tom Williams. He's excellent. Yep, Tom. One of my favorite episodes. We talked comic books and history teaching and ed, and ed tech and like made my nerd heart sing. Yeah, you should see his classroom. He would feel right at home. Yeah, all yeah. All that nerd stuff. All yeah. He rolled up his sleeve and showed me the the you know his the tattoo sleeve that yep. he's got, and it's just like. It looks like Marvel come to life. Yeah, it's incredible. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so you're in a career in technical education, school district at Bay Path. Uh, how did you come into, into the career and technical education side of schools? Uh, yeah, so excellent question. So I had the pleasure of working for the Northboro and Public, uh, Northboro and Southboro Public School System for about 11 years. <clears throat> and, you know, being on the other side of it, you know, our our vocational district uh, equivalent was ACIBET. Mm-hmm. So I had some working knowledge about ACIBET and you know some of our students who, who applied to go there. Um, but essentially, I saw this job posting for a director of IT for um, Southern Worcester County for Bay Path. Um, decided to pursue that, not knowing too much about um, CTE education, what that looked like um, in the classroom. And it's been about coming up on three years in January. And it's really um, blown my mind to a degree. You know, I had the opportunity in high school to do an internship my senior year. And it's very similar to what we have in in CTE, which is um, co-op for uh, students the second half of their junior year. And most of their uh, senior year, they have the opportunity to go out on co-op every week and make some money. And we have students making upwards of, you know, $23, $24 an hour every other week um, during the during the school day, effectively. So they're not complaining. Yeah. And the CTE programming itself is so very different than, say, a, a traditional public school uh, mm-hmm. where students, students are in the classroom for part of their day and they're out in their mm-hmm. field for part of the day. And then, as you said, on co-op, right, they've got say a part of a week where they're in in class and then they go out of, of school to actually get that hands-on experience correct so so in the case of um, Bay Path we have um, rotating weeks A and B week so um, on a particular week um, freshmen and seniors are in shop and then the following week they'll be in academics 
and it just rotates through the school year. So that during that shop week, our, our seniors or juniors that are eligible for co-op who have found a sponsoring employee will be out working. Now, is that something upon, incumbent upon the kids to find that, or is that is there sort of a, a, a an office in the building that takes care of that? It's um, I would say it's both sides. It's a partnership. So we do have um, our director of CTE and an assistant director of CTE. Um, the assistant director, Jen Statura, she does a, a phenomenal job making connections with local employers, um, expanding out and finding um, great opportunities for our for our students. And by having these um, longstanding uh, relationships with these vendors, we can kind of um, find out or think about, you know, oh, this um, this uh, employer would be a good match for this student in many cases and we can make sure that we're setting them up for success as they go out into the workforce. Yeah, so, and, and some of the shops that you offer are not necessarily what people would consider the traditional sort of uh, vocational education, right? I, I think yep. about back to when I was in high school, the traditional vocational education was like wood shop, electrical, metal fab, maybe yep. auto, auto mechanics. It's grown to so much more than that. It, it really has. So we have um, some of those traditional shops you spoke about where um, we have um, carpentry, cabinet making, plumbing, electrical, all which are in, in phenomenal demand right now. We also have shops like animal science, health tech, dental, um, metal fab, as you said, advanced manufacturing. During the pandemic, um, which is kind of a fun fact, we were manufacturing some of our own plexiglass wow. for use in the school, which is just a, a, a great example of, of what we can do um, in our school buildings. That's so cool. Uh, and it's not what it, <laughs> your job as a technology coordinator for mm -hmm. a school district like that is so different than the kind of support that you have to offer there is so different than, than mine in a traditional public school. Right. Um, you know, and we, we've joked about the, the, the sort of things that happen to tech coordinators. It's, you know, if it's got an on button, if it's got a, you know, a flashing light or it beeps, into yeah, plugs into beeps. a wall. Yep. It's one of our jobs, right? Yep. It's got to yep. be ours. Uh, what kinds of what kinds of challenges do you have in tech education uh, as a technology coordinator? Mm -hmm. So uh, we are very fortunate at Baypath. We have an advisory committee, and this advisory committee are individuals who are actively working out in the profession, and they help advise our shop teachers on the latest trends. And so. On a, on a pretty consistent basis, they're speaking with our teachers and saying, yes, this is what we're seeing out in the field, so that when they go to teach the students, they can make sure that we're teaching them the latest and greatest um, in the field. So when we speak about you know, my role as a technology director, um, I really look towards the, um, the shop teachers and the advisors as the true experts for the technology, and I'm just facilitating um, the use of that. So, you know, some days that means, you know, there's a giant um, $200,000 laser cutter that's getting delivered, and I'm like, where are we going to put this? What kind of software does this use? Um, you know, it's, it's pretty crazy how much technology is involved in all of these professions now. Yeah, yeah. I, I know we've, we've talked about in our district about getting a CNC machine and, and, yeah. and lathes and just the ability to do some of the things that we can do in a public school are incredible. We have a you know we have a small desktop laser cutter that that we received last year as part of a grant, um, mm -hmm. and the things that we've been able to make with it are incredible. 
Yeah, it really is. And we have CNC machines. We have um, water jets, which are these big tables that we, um, that's where the plexiglass, where we shape some of that plexiglass. Um, lots of laser cutters, lots of 3D printers. Um, it's, it's pretty wild. And it's really exciting to see the students um, engaged in that process. Yeah, and we haven't talked much about 3D printing here on the podcast, but mm-hmm. um, what kinds of 3D printing are, are you guys doing at the, in the technical education side? So I think, you know, it's, I'll, I'll speak to laser first because I, I think laser is super cool. Um, we have a drafting shop. So, for example, um, our, our school building was re, um, renovated in 2015, 2016. And our drafting shop did a lot of the um, schematical drawings. Wow. For, so I have a, a really nice printout of, you know, where all my network closets are, where all the cameras are facing. Um, the code for that camera so if I'm trying to track something down I can reference that Um, that's a really good example of uh, some of the work that they're doing Um, the laser cutters and 3d printers um, it varies you know it's it's really I feel like anything um, that they can there's so much that we can do in the classroom with all these amazing tools and it really just comes down to what the shop instructors think is the best use of the of the equipment um, just to kind of finish things out, what, what sorts of things do you see on the horizon in technical education? Or um, are you seeing sort of as a MassQ board member, mm-hmm. um, I think you're, you're probably the only board member that has the, the CTE background, if, if I'm correct. Yeah, yeah, um, that's correct. So it, what kinds of things do you see on the horizon in the field? I think, well, we have, 20, we have 23 different career areas. So we have wow. many different horizons wow. yeah. that we're looking at. Um, I would say that one, one key challenge for us, just as an example, is data privacy um, because we're using enterprise applications that are used out in the workplace. Um, you know, we don't have to deal with the 13 and below since we're just, high, just a high school, age 13 and below. So, but there's still, there's still privacy concerns. Sure. Um, so I think that over the next few years, we're going to have to really take a, a close look at that. We're also a Microsoft district um, because we feel that uh, many of these <clears throat> vocational areas, you know, Microsoft is what is used in a lot of their areas outside in the um, in the professional world. So, but we are having some conversations about Google too. Yeah. So um, we have a lot going on right now. A lot of exciting stuff, and like you said, it's. When, when we have 23 career areas, you just have to keep your thumb on the pulse of, of every uh, different area. Um, whether that's dental with the latest x-ray machines, bringing in those, or um, uh, talking back to animal science, we have an excellent partnership with a local um, veterinary um, shelter, and we have our students bust over there um, pretty frequently to get some hands-on experience. Um, there's so much going on, and it's so exciting. I cannot imagine getting a help desk ticket that said, hey, Mr. Hall, the x-ray is broken. Can you come down and take a look at it? Like, you get the crazy ones that, you you know, you're like, oh, man, how am I going to figure this one? I could not imagine getting it. I did, the thought never even crossed my mind until just now what that would be like. Yep. And yeah. I'm like, what do you mean x-ray machine? When did we get that? <laughs> Usually that's the it way is, things happen, right? And right. All of a right. sudden it's got, it gets delivered, and you're like, oh, we need to plug this into the network. You got, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the vendors here, they want to make sure they need, uh, like, seven IP addresses. Can and you open up a couple ports for them? What? Yeah. No. What? 
<laughs> it's only broadcasting on 2.4 gigahertz, so if you could just turn that back on. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, TJ, Karen, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for finally having me, Brandon. I've <laughs> earned my stripes. You have earned your stripes is right. Thanks. I am currently joined by Erica Sandstrom, a friend of the pod. Yeah. Uh, welcome back. Thank you so much. I'm so I, happy to be back. I think this is your third, I fourth. I think so. I don't know. I'm losing count. Okay. So we have a five-timers club. Okay. <laughs> there's a five-timers club and there's a sticker for the five-timers club. Right. Oh. Ooh. I wasn't kidding. Right? Okay. Can Canva. All right. I want that. Okay. Can I do two? Two. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, well, let's just say this one's four then, and then we'll just you know move forward. Right on. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you've present you did three presentations here. Three this year. Yeah. How do you squeeze three presentations into two days? Um, well, I did four last year. So um, you did? I did. Uh, I don't know because one of them was on this side and the other one was on the other of side. Of course. So, and I have my high heel green shoes on, of course. And um, no, I don't know. It just it's not hard to squeeze them in. You just drink a lot of coffee, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God for this new area that create kind of this is closes beautiful. the loop. Yeah. yeah. Of course, I didn't know about it until I saw you yesterday. So I'm like, oh, oh. I've walking yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the old way, it was like a horseshoe. Yeah. It was like tip to tip. You couldn't get oh. all the way around with the 360. I get my th steps in. Yeah. That's, oh, that's yeah. the one thing about this conference. You yeah. get your steps in. Yeah, you wear out the Apple Watch. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. I had a lot of brownies, so that's good. All the brownies. <laughs> the brownies. They're like half baked. Oh my God. They're, I don't know what, they're, they're magic. Don't tell anybody, though. We just told everybody they're going to run out. That's okay. Not a lot of people <laughs> listen to the podcast. It's fine. Uh, Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. I'm joking. The, um, but you, so three presentations. Yes. Green screen, of course. Yes. You, you are a green screen gal. I am green screen gal. That has been dubbed to me, and now it's a thing. Yeah. I don't think people know my first name is Erica. They just, they're like, oh, that's the green screen gal. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes, I did one uh, with Jolie Boucher. Yeah. We, uh, it was called Green Screen Casserole, but it was all about how to get... I loved that name. I saw that <laughs> as I was scrolling through. I loved that. I, you know, it was funny because when we met on it last spring to talk about it, I, I'm pretty sure there was we were both hungry or something because... <laughs> but what it, what it was for is to teach people how to use a green screen school-wide mm -hmm. or um, to build community. And, and it was just so much fun. It really was. There's so many ideas of ways to get people hooked on this, um, this technology, but it was more about the community aspects. So yeah. We had a lot of fun. And what's, yeah. your, what's your tool of choice right now? Oh, God. Can't ask me that. <laughs> well, for green for green screen. Um, Doink. Okay, so iOS, um, the Doink app is the literally the best app on the planet, mm -hmm. and it's not just for green screen. It has animation and it has um, something called a masking tool, which is mm -hmm. like having Photoshop with their fingertips. It can fix all of the shading issues and the shadows and everything you run into. There's just so much behind that app. But then I also use WeVideo. Um, I'm an ambassador of all these programs. So, um, and WeVideo has green screen, but they have the library of you know, thousands and thousands of, of footage things and music and everything. Mm -hmm. And But I've been really using CapCut a lot because CapCut is now on the computer. Oh, okay. So the kids can use it on their Chromebooks. It's brilliant. Yeah. It has green screen. And there's a free one called Kapwing that we use sometimes. But people ask me this question. That's why I'm giving you a very yeah. big answer because um, they're always asking what's a free one or one that, right. you know, it's not too expensive. But, yeah, I'm obsessed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and there's so much cool stuff that you can put out with, or the kids can create. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, their, their imagination is, is the only limit, right? Like, just... It is endless. Yeah. There's... It, in every, I wake up at two in the morning with ideas, and that's usually when I post. It's pretty funny. I'm, I think it's hilarious, but yeah. then I'm like, "What did I post last night?" <laughs> um, but just, it's just endless 
creativity doesn't end. Mm. It, it's not. It's not just green screen. Yeah. You know, that's what my summit, um, not just a green screen summit, it's really not just a green screen. Right. So um, a lot of people ask me too, um, with AI and everything, what's going to happen? Chroma key will always be better than video background removal. Sorry, Canva. Sorry, Adobe. I love you both. <laughs> um, but and it's but it's not just about taking out the background. It's the experience of these kids being up on that screen. Mm -hmm. I, you know, the social emotional learning that happens and. Just everything. They get to use their imagination yes, again and in on school. Stage. Yes, and they're on stage. Right. And, and the kids that get to be the directors or the equipment and mm -hmm. just it's just so exciting. So you know, when people say that, I'm like, they would miss out on on the experience of using yeah. a green screen. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. We had a fun one we did with uh, um, the snow globes. Where yes, we had the kids yes. do, we had the kids make <laughs> snow globes yeah. um, and you know, talk about what they wanted. You know, to come out of the holiday, Aww. or you know, their dreams for the for the winter vacation, or whatever so it was. And it was they were first graders, so they you know they were just super cute with the whole thing. So uh, cute. We had a ton of fun doing. It. I miss that, like yeah. being able to do that kind of stuff. We get stuck in the weeds and the everyday tech director vis job stuff. Right, exactly. And you miss, miss out being on able that. to be in the classroom with doing stuff like that. But um, I know you did another presentation on SEL. Yes, this is one that I hope to someday, they're going to be laughing at me for saying this, but hope to someday be on a bigger stage with this because it's, it's I, I'm going to change the name of it. I call it SOS Save Our Sanity with Mindfulness, but it's, it's more about just everyday ways to bring yourself back to the present moment and, and to balance yourself. So mm -hmm. we did a bunch of breathing techniques. We actually did chair yoga. Um, I did some sound therapy on them and to show them how easy it is to incorporate this uh, throughout a lesson. And how, and just to prove it to the teachers that were there, the educators, um, they all walked out of there like, I had no idea a one minute breathing bubble could do that. Mm. You know, they just don't know. And we don't give, you know, I even taught them how to use a breathing technique at a red stoplight. It's a special, it's hilarious. Cause, and I use it every time I hit a red stoplight now. Yeah. Okay. So you can't just say it and then. Okay. Not. All right. So, um, well, first of all, there's one, two with a Keurig. Keurig coffee is one minute of brewing, so you can do some kind of stretching or some kind of breathing. Just remember to put the coffee cup underneath. <laughs> Huge problem in my yeah. house. Yeah, I've done that before. <laughs> um, but with the stoplight, it's called breathe in thirds. So you inhale one third up your diaphragm, and you hold it, and you inhale second third, hold it, and inhale third uh, to the top of your head, and exhale. So it's one giant breath. Try it with me. Ready? Inhale. That's hilarious. Inhale. One more. Inhale. Exhale. And you do that like as long as the stoplight is red, and oh. you're gonna feel right. Don't yeah. you feel great? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It usually takes the uh, you know whatever that classical music station is mm -hmm. uh, from coming out of Boston, WCVB. That that one that yeah. that's usually what it gets me to that point. But I should breathe more. That would be helpful. It well, it takes you out of fight or flight. Mm -hmm. It um, literally, you know. And I always tell people too, though, like with mindfulness. Said so if you're worried about something that hasn't happened yet, or a kid's worried about a test, or you're, you're just worried all the time, you're living in the future. Mm -hmm. If you have shame, regret, guilt, all that stuff, you're living in the past. And we do this all day long. You know, I always say, um, you can't stop the waves, but you can learn how to surf. So learning how to surf through those waves of every day. I mean, you turn CNN on, you're, mm -hmm. you know. So um, I just taught them a bunch of ways to just, and the power of just deep breathing. Deep breathing, especially for a full minute and holding your breath. I, mean, I could go on about this for hours, but, but um, yeah, it, it, we have it. It's in our back pocket. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, but to actually 
do it and hold your breath at the top of the, the breathing. It's just, it takes you out of fight or flight. And all of a sudden you're like, all right, I can do this. <laughs> I do it throughout my class. Yeah. I'll stop. The, yeah. They're getting kind of nutty. I'm like, okay, everybody, let's take three deep breaths. And yep. Hold at the top. Yep. Just calms the whole class down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I know our school had gone through a big mindfulness mm -hmm. push and it's still there. It, it, there are teachers that are still using it in classrooms, like ca calm classroom. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, Calm um, Classroom's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And it was a great curriculum for us because we were able to kind of incorporate it into mm -hmm. every, you know, take a couple, take a minute at the beginning of your class. It's yeah, not. Yeah, totally. We're not, we're not talking about a ton of time here. No. Um, we waste more time doing things that don't need to be done. And if people understood more how energy worked, and which is, you know, what we're all starting to learn more about is if our energy is frantic, we can't teach and kids mm -hmm. can't learn. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, and I always tell teachers, it's selfish to not do self-care because you're actually, your energy is affecting your students. Yeah. So, so I'm like, so put those feet up, you know, <laughs> you tell your boss, <laughs> yeah. that's selfish of me not to do this. Yeah. But um, I was teaching them about square breathing, how every time you see anything square, a rectangle, a computer screen, a window, whatever, I want you to think of square breathing and, and take a couple rounds of yep. that. So just little simple things like that, but the chair yoga was a hit. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was great. That's good stuff. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and then your final presentation was on AI. Yeah. So the robots are too, so everyone takes a deep breath, we're all calm, <laughs> and then the robots take us over. I know, I am such a, it's so funny, people are like, what, what is green screen gal? I'm like, you have no idea, it's lots of things. Yeah. And, um, I'm known for my green screen and creative media meeting social emotional learning mindfulness, mm -hmm. but um, with the AI, I did from script to screen. And I was talking about the video production process and how, you know, every step of that process is important. Filming is only a small part. There's so much AI that can help assist or help us create or even become better throughout that system. Mm -hmm. um, so my students, for example, we wrote a script for uh, Pay It Forward Kindness um, video we were doing. So they all came up with their ideas of ways to be kind. And then I said, let's, let's, let's go see what we can do with, with the bot here threw it into the bot and said, please connect these to a video where they connect one to an, uh, the next and gave us this incredible script. And the thing about AI is that it actually helped the kids feel good about their, their um, ideas. Mm -hmm. I mean, it gave them confidence. So the kids that usually lead the group kind of stepped back and everybody was so excited. They're yeah. like, oh my God, our ideas are so good. Now I'm so ready to film. And, but that was just one piece of it. I taught them how to cartoon themselves uh, if you're shy, I taught them, oh, you know, even um, 11 labs where you can change your voice to like any famous voice in the world. Yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're a media guy, We're you know. Yeah, you, would, yeah. you, you probably know all the stuff. things I taught them, yeah. The one, that, the, the, the one that I saw recently was the Adobe one that will take yeah. your podcast recording like this and yeah. just instantly transform the yeah. audio and everybody sounds like David Allen Boucher. Yeah. <laughs> that's the, sorry, that's the, that's the second reference to him in today on this podcast. I apologize. You only for, get two. In one yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's it. We're all done. Uh, he's retired. We're going to leave him alone. Let bedtime magic have his you time. Were amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, the, and the, only the locals would get that. Right. Reference, exactly. Right. So, um, yeah. The, the, the uh, man. I. Someone said earlier. They said, you know, "Where do you see AI going?" Nobody knows. I, I changed know. it. I had add last night. I added seven more websites yeah, to my session. Right. But the thing is, AI's been here. Yeah. Sure. It's been here. And yep. I and I asked the whole audience. I said, "How many of you have a Roomba?" Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I said, right. I, "I think of it like that." I said, right. "You know what?" And then I've, I started it off, I go, how many of you have written a lesson plan before? How many of you have written many lesson plans? How many of you have written an IEP? How many of you And I said, you already know how to do it. We have this technology, and you need to spend time with your kids. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you need to have your life back, because we've been buried in these 
these things. And I said, but also the creativity you can bring. So as far as what they're trying to scare us about, <laughs> like robots are going to take over the world, this is, this is different in education. Yeah. And, and it's, um, I'm actually going to be uh, in Curacon next week. It's for Curapod, and it's a free, free webinar, mm -hmm. and it's all about AI. And there's also um, Amanda Fox put together Week of AI, which is free. So people can watch that, and they will be fans. But I, I actually told the audience, too, I said, I want you to go home and chat GPT, put everything that's in your refrigerator, and ask it to, even the weird stuff, I said, just ask them to do some recipes from that. You're yeah. going to be shocked. Yeah, you know? yeah, so, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't take long to get them a win, you know? Like, right. let's plan your vacation. Let's do this. Right, right. I, I had it plan a youth hockey practice for me. Yeah. Like, I just didn't have the time yeah. to sit down and write a practice right. plan. Right, and it's... And you ask it to do it by the standards, it goes and finds yes. the standards and yes. pulls those in. Yes, it's like having an assistant, it's what yeah. every teacher should have had right. all along. Absolutely and true. And I love, to, every time I teach a teacher who's open to learning, they want to kiss me. They're, they're hilarious. Like, you think I did something wonderful. It's not me, it's the bot, but yeah. let's get these teachers on board and not scared. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, absolutely. That was deep. <laughs> no, that's good. It's good. It was very deep. It's very deep. Very good. Uh, where can people find you online? Okay. Uh, I kind of have a theme here. Um, yeah. Greenscreengal.com. Yep. Greenscreengal on Twitter. Greenscreengal44 on Instagram. You kind of blew it with that 44. one. I know. <laughs> I did. I still, I do actually have Greenscreengal on Instagram, but um, it came later because yeah, it wasn't yeah. available at first. Uh, so now I'm kind of stuck. And then TikTok, same thing. And then, you know. I just Google. Green screen gal. Green screen gal. Green screen gal I can't her. get rid of it now. It's that's, great. That's where I am. No, all good. Yeah. Erica Sandstrom, thanks so much. Thank you so much. Good to see you. You too. You've been listening to the Get a Q podcast by MassQ. Here to educate, connect, and inspire.